Grassroots Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley. Underwriting for Grassroots ProBlind series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by A&B Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment, and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs. A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on ProBlind, because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local, in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the Donate button on your next visit to grassrootstv.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootstv.org, as well as on Cable Channel 12, Up Valley, Cable Channel 82, Down Valley, and Free TV Channel 12.1, over the Picking County Translator System. Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage. So, hi. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you, you friend. You too. So you're running for mayor of Aspen? No, I'm running for city council. You're running for city council. Oh, okay. I thought you were challenging for mayor. Well, that no, makes it no, easy. No, mayor is uh, Mulcahy. Just Lee. And, no. the, and the previous mayor. Right, and Steve. Lee and Steve. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we're here, to figure stuff out. So is this your first run at um, elected office? It's my first run at any office. I didn't even run for student council in school. So huh, So what's prompted you to throw your hat in the ring? Well, what, what had happened is I've been here 20 years with my husband, who's been sick on and off, and he died last November. I'm sorry. So he had a great life. He died in his sleep, and Aspen Valley Hospital did a great job keeping him alive actually extra years. Uh, but, you know, I thought, I should get out and about, meet people, and do some new things. So I rented a uh, studio at the Red Brick. An art because, studio. An art studio because I've been doing art since I retired. I'm retired from being a biology professor at Temple University in Philadelphia. And, uh, and then I was thinking about uh, applying to run for the uh, board of directors at the Gantt. And then this came up also, and I thought that sounded more interesting, and... Here you are. Here I am. So you have a, a place at the Gantt? I own a condo at the Gantt, yes. And I've lived, I live in it. I've lived there for 20 years. As a full-time Aspenite? As a full-time Aspenite. And you with also travel? A little, with a little time. Mm -hmm. uh, we usually uh, went to the Jersey Shore in uh, June and cleaned it up because we rent it, rent the condo there, and we see our... East Coast family when we go there. And uh, after we both stopped skiing, which was about 2008 or so, or maybe a little before, uh, we bought the condo in Maui and went there for a month or two of winter. That makes sense. I'm ready for that. 
Oh, yeah, well, it's hard to give up skiing. And on a, on a beautiful day when the snow is great and the sun is shining, I'd like to be doing it. I skied from uh, ages 5 to 65 and didn't get hurt. Uh, but the balance was going and he was going. And you're, uh, you're a Colorado native or you went to high school in Colorado? I went to high school. I was not a Colorado native. I was born in... Uh, Ohio three weeks before D-Day in Dayton mm -hmm. and um, lived most of my early life in the Midwest so I'm not a native Coloradan but we came out here my father uh, we all learned to ski in Wisconsin and my father brought us out to uh, Winter Park to ski okay a couple times well dad then got a job out here uh, and brought he, the family he, out here. I was 16 at the time. So I went to Broomfield High School. I was in the first graduating class. And I was High. first girl because they didn't, they had first girl and first boy and didn't have a big valedictorian. So you were the smartest girl at Broomfield High School in your class, basically? Well, so. I had the best grades. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went to CU. And then I went to CU, mm -hmm. and I studied biology at CU and uh, graduated in three and a half years. And I was first in my uh, graduating class, but it was a mid-year graduating class. And then you went to grad school somewhere grad else? Grad school. I went to, uh, I was following my first husband, and he went to Texas to uh, Rice University. And uh, so did I, and I was there a year as a graduate student. And then you also, I also taught as a teaching assistant. And, uh, and then we moved to Austin, Texas, uh, where I was again a graduate student teaching, and I got a PhD in about 1971. So at that point you were Dr. Binkley? I was then right? Dr. Binkley, yes. Dr. Binkley. And then you went to Temple and started teaching there? No. Nope. You just don't get done with education that easily. <laughs> I, I went to, uh, um, my first husband got a job in South Bend, Indiana. And I taught uh, labs at uh, Notre Dame for about a nine months or so and wrote my dissertation. Actually, I wrote my dissertation there. And, uh, and then uh, once I had my degree, uh, what's next in biology is you do a postdoc. And so I mm -hmm. got a postdoc at NIH in Bethesda. So I was there a year uh, working. And then I got a job at Temple University. And I was very lucky because not there weren't many jobs in ac academia at the time, so I did very well to get a job. So I grew up for a while in Pennsylvania. My sister uh, went to Temple, went to film school there. Um, so I know the area a little bit. Were you living in downtown Philadelphia, or were you in the suburbs? Or? Uh, we lived in the suburbs. We had a child, and uh, so the school was an issue. I lived in Germantown first, and she went to Germantown Friends, and, uh, and that became a little expensive, so I moved out to uh, um, the suburbs. Ambler, specifically, and she went to public school then, and I commute. It was quite a long commute to, to uh, Temple University. Mm. Uh, and then while you were there, you wrote four books, I understand, under as yes. Sue Binkley. Under S. Binkley, mm -hmm. yes, I wrote, wrote four science books. Okay, including one I started looking at about the circadian rhythms of, of birds and birds, people. Birds, yes. And then you wrote one called Biological Clock, which is about... Right, that was all yeah, about people. All about people. And so I want to talk with you about birds a little. Because <laughs> 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 that book is about how they know when to do what they do, when to migrate and all those things, right? All those things, yes. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then you wrote about people. So birds and people, do we have the same 
We have the same rhythms, the same clocks. Uh, we do. We have uh, we have uh, circadian rhythms, which means the rhythms are close to 24 hours. Which means if you leave us in constant conditions and don't give us a light dark cycle or the birds, uh, then uh, we do what's called free running, and we run on our own biological clock. And so basically, the experiments I did. Uh, with the birds were uh, putting them on different light-dark cycles and measuring uh, in house sparrows their perch hopping activity. And house sparrows um, were not protect a protected species. They were actually considered a pest species, so there was not really much problem getting to work with them. And then uh, later I worked with uh, baby chicks uh, and studied the enzyme in their pineal gland and how it was regulated by light and dark. There's a cute picture of you on the internet putting a bird back, a bird back in the, in the cage, uh, in I'll a little have, cage. I'll have to Must look have been one it. of your subjects, huh? Um. Would have been one of my subjects, <laughs> but, but I, I, I did something. I'm, I think I'm old enough now not to get arrested for it. <laughs> is is that that when I when I retired, we let all the remaining birds go. You did all your test subjects. Uh, the ones that were yes, uh -huh. and the the sparrows lived really well. Mm -hmm. uh, in captivity, and I'm I'm sure they readapted to the wild. So, are you a birder today? Is that part of your attraction to be here? I feed yeah. the birds on the porch. The <laughs> main ones I feed are the hummingbirds, mm -hmm. and uh, I feed a huge number of hummingbirds on my porch at the Gan. I'm on the second floor, so I'm allowed to have a bird bird feeders. Okay. But in the summer, it becomes a job keeping up with making enough sugar water for them. We we usually have three or four species. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see them come it through. Is. We keep feeders too. It's, that's fascinating to see them come up. They uh, show up usually the first week of May, mm -hmm. and the ones leave our uh, condo usually around the first week in September. And then you also wrote a book about um, Michener, the author. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And that, that was because, because where I lived with my second husband uh, was near Doylestown. He was a physician. He was a radiologist at Doylestown Hospital. And uh, Doylestown was Michener's childhood home. Oh, okay. And it had really, it was a really interesting little town because they had this guy named Henry Mercer who built all these concrete buildings in the time, time in the early, around the turn of the century, not this, not the 20, oh, uh -huh. not 20 to 21, <laughs> but, <laughs> that other but, but 19 to 20, mm -hmm. around the turn of that century. And so there were all these interesting buildings to walk around, and they were there when Mishnah was there. So I was literally... I could literally follow in his footsteps wow. and look at things he looked at and compare them with things in his books. And hmm. I was just at a meeting recently where someone was singing the praises of his book Centennial, which is about Colorado. And so, um, read them all. So your wrote worlds, about them all. Your worlds overlapped <laughs> a little bit there, huh? <laughs> met him. I even met oh, him. Oh, you did? Oh, cool. oh, yeah. He had an art museum um, that he had built in a prison in the old, out of the building that was the old prison. And uh, he had an opening one night, and I, I did go to that. So I did get to shake his very large hand, the very large, strong hands from all the typing because the typewriters were the old kind with quite a bit of force. And they had, in that art museum, they had all the things from his office. So you could, you could see his typewriter and his materials and his pens. Oh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and so you came to Aspen to ski originally? Or would you come up in high school? When did you first come to Aspen? I I first came to Aspen. Uh, I think I think we came in about uh, 
oh, around the early or late 80s, somewhere in the 80s, probably got here and just came a couple times to visit. And we usually stayed at Snowmass uh, in the, I think it was called the Aspen, Aspen Wood or something, but we stayed right next to the ski slope and, and in Snowmass. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when my husband retired and he was thinking about where we could go, like Florida and stuff like that, I said, why don't you take me back to my mountains? <laughs> <laughs> so like Heidi. <laughs> here you are. I, so we came back and we shopped, shopped a couple of the uh, small towns in the mountains. And I had only lived out on the Front Range because I'd lived in uh, Broomfield and Boulder. Mm -hmm. And I'd always wanted to live in a mountain town. And so we looked at a few. And he looked carefully at every hospital mm -hmm. since he was a physician. And okay. we wanted an airport. We had a list uh -huh. and a great of library. Uh -huh. and, and so uh, we stayed in a few places. And we had stayed in the Gantt. And, uh, Jim Markalunas mm -hmm. sold us our Gantt unit, and okay. the reason he got the sale was he was the only one who answered the phone on a Sunday. <laughs> uh, so as a realtor, he was as the broker. As a realtor, and okay. so he sold us. And his <laughs> wife was also mm -hmm. a realtor. Ramona. Ramona, mm -hmm. right. And, mm -hmm. I, and so I knew them. Okay. Great people. Still know Jim. Sure, of course. Um, and so that was 92, you bought the Gantt, roughly uh, in there? Roughly in there, and mm -hmm. then, then it was 90 or 93, and then it was mm -hmm. 96 when we both retired. Okay. Uh, we retired early. We had money because we had both worked and we hadn't spent much. And uh, uh, we both were sick, and we didn't think we'd live long. Well, Here you are. we have Aspen Valley <laughs> Hospital, and, <laughs> and so he lived 20, 20 years, mm -hmm. and I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And uh, they kept us. They've kept us going. Well, you know, most people in Aspen are are pretty happy, pretty happy with the state of things in Aspen. Um, usually, if you run for elected office or you run for city council, it's because there's some things, some stones in your shoe, perhaps, or some issues that you'd like to change. Are there? Are you running because something's bothering you, or you, that something that you'd like to change? Uh, well, I love this town, and I thought that with my experience as a teacher and a researcher with the grants and I had to supervise labs and things that I had the kind of experience and living in the Gantt that I had the kind of experience that would fit the city council pretty well. Uh, not everything but a lot of the things they do. Uh, I still have something to offer and well, hopefully I'll make it all four years if I get elected. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess the Gantt's a pretty interesting place to live because you must see so many visitors and talk to so many visitors. I do. Visitors. I have a real real close uh, daily relationship with the visitors because I, I go to the hot tub every day and they talk to me and I hear what they like. They love Aspen. They love the Gantt. They complain if the snow isn't perfect, uh -huh. but they love everything else. And there's a lot to do here. And and it's very it's actually very nice because there are people here to have fun. They're happy, they're in a good mood, and we're sitting in a hot tub. Right. <laughs> so, so, so how much can they really people. complain? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're not complaining. Right. And so I read, I think, in the paper that you um, know Lee Mulcahy, and Lee helped you, uh, or inspired you to maybe run and helped you gather signatures? Well, the main thing was he helped me gather s signatures. But the way we met was last year there was a uh, challenge Aspen for charity uh, Paint Battle of the Artists. Okay. And they had 11 artists, and I think we were at the Sky Hotel in their patio area. And we had 20 minutes 
to paint something. Well, mm. that's a duck. That's duck soup for me. I was done in 15 minutes. So. Oh really? So, <laughs> and if Lee was here, he's very kind because he keeps saying she beat me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a faster painter than Lee. And and most mm. of the others. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there was a second round that was moved inside, and I did not win the second round, but there were there I competed with four in the second round, and then all the paintings were given to uh, Challenge Aspen to sell oh, cool. for, for charity. So it was a charity event. So I had met him as, as, as an artist, and I, I had later found out, um, you know, I Googled him, like I do all my daughter's boyfriends, <laughs> 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 and everybody else, and probably you. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on it, yeah. Yes, so, so you, can, you, can, you can find out a lot. And, yep. and I found out to my amazement that he was not only an Eagle Scout, but he had gone to the University of Texas and had a PhD in humanities. He's an interesting person. And I went to the University of Texas and mm -hmm. have a PhD, but it was not the same campus. He was at Arlington and I was in Austin. Okay. And it was not exactly the same year. <laughs> so you've also mentioned that you're not um, you know, happy about the, the, the ban that he's under. He's banned from Somehow he's managed to get himself banned from ski oh, yes. company, property, <laughs> the Aspen Art Museum, and the Aspen <laughs> Institute. And well, so I've met uh, two other people were, that were banned. Really? Who's, who's that? And they were, they were women, and I don't, I don't remember their names because I met them at senior center events. And they had been banned um, for speaking out loudly about their opinions. Hmm. And I, I don't really that. want to tell who banned them. Okay. I did, I did kind of complain to the institution that banned them. That, okay. that was, you know, sort of free speech. Mm. And, you know, if somebody wants to complain to me about my art or my cooking or something, you know, or my teaching ability, you know, I live with that. And if, 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 it's, if it's a valid suggestion, I try to do better. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to talking to Lee and exploring the nature of his, his troubles, I guess. But um, It's not the same Lee that I see. I see mm -hmm. the Eagle Scout and talk to the professorial, a little bit professorial person who got the PhD, and we do art. Which is different with so some of actually, your art here. Which actually, this one, I don't know where they put it, that one, we uh -huh. both made. That's his painting, uh -huh. and I, I taped stuff to it. Hmm. Well, do you think his, his problems are, are self-inflicted? Do you think he's caused his own trouble? <coughs> You talked with him about this. I think, I think there are men that settled the West and fought at the Alamo, and they have this strength and this ability to fight for things they care about. And he's from Texas, so I had met men like this before, and um, and some of it, some of it. I think it's probably a little bit his sense of humor that people don't re recognize at all. Mm. But I think the first thing he said was, "Oh, you're." The, I said to him, "Oh, you're the at the at the art when we met at the art thing." I said, "Oh, you're the infamous old <laughs> <Leo> lady," <laughs> and he he was bending down because he's real tall. I'm real short, so I was <laughs> looking up, and he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well, I thought you were fun." Well, he's got a fun I side still for think sure. That. He's got a sparkle. I, I yeah. still think that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I look forward to talking with him. Um, and so, 
Well, another thing on your list of issues that, that you seem to care about or that you heard about when you were gathering signatures was the, the transportation issue. That was the number of practically everybody. But, but where we were gathering signatures was in the Burling, Burling, Burlingame Housing Complex. Burlingame Housing Complex. Mm -hmm. And then I gathered some at the Senior Center. Uh, and uh, I don't think I'll win because most of my, the people who, are, who know me and actually have been encouraging me to, to run are living down valley. They're seniors, they're artists, um, and they're the people who work at the Gantt, but they're not Aspen voters. They vote, they live down valley and they come here to work. Right. So, so I would say it's, you know, it's the little people are the most of the people I know that are coming here to work every day. And so they are experiencing the traffic problems. Uh, I experienced um, some of them when I was taking care of my husband in the hospital. And I was going there every day a couple times. And they're, so I'm very familiar with the dangers of the roundabout. <laughs> right. And so people were saying fix the traffic, not so much transportation but do something about the traffic is there it's the whole the whole the whole thing of, of getting up 82 getting into Aspen and then finding a place to park if they don't have one that's already reserved for them right and have you thought about any good ideas to, to fix that well I thought in the 20 years I was here and this this I might may cause havoc if anybody sees and hears this, nobody's listening, right? No uh, one will watch. Right. No. <laughs> it's just you and I. I thought, <laughs> I thought the traffic got drastically worse when they gave one whole lane to the buses. Mm. And the, one of the ways to address that is to find a way to put some of the cars into, into that lane. Maybe the little cars. I have a little car. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> or, you want a special lane? Or the women drivers. <laughs> well, I do. You see, the bicycle, the bicycle people want their own lanes. The buses want their own right. lanes. And the artists just don't have enough place to pull off and paint. Right. So the artists should have their own lane, too. Maybe you should. But, if it's your you birthday, can, you can drive in the lane. But you, yes, it's just your birthday. <laughs> That's a very good suggestion. But I think, I think the, first, the first way to look at it is to uh, try to get suggestions from the people who are actually commuting, and they're full of suggestions, mm. little suggestions, and the, the people who have something to do with the transportation, the buses and the police and whoever, get people together and see if there are just some small things that can be done without building a new road. Because right. that's, that's going to take time. And mm -hmm. it may be the only solution in the end, but maybe they could, maybe there are just a few things that could make things just a little faster. Well, it seems to be a perennial issue in Aspen, so maybe some fresh perspective. Maybe everywhere would be else good. too. A lot of places certainly have the the problems of excess excess traffic and mm -hmm. um, infrastructure that hasn't kept up. Right. That's you know behind. Yep. And so, also on your list is affordable housing, deed restricted housing. Yes, that was the second thing that mm -hmm. they most most. But we were. We, when we were getting signatures, most of the people we were talking to were people who had a Burlingame unit. The Burlingame, and then we also went around in Aspen to some of the some of the employee housing in Aspen. Uh, knocked on doors. And knocked a, knocked right. on doors. Mm -hmm. And people talked about their housing. Yes, and mm -hmm. and and they have you know various issues, and there's a lot of suspicion that it isn't 
fair, and I don't know how much of that's true since I don't live in it. Uh, and they are uh, af afraid because that's where they live and they don't want to mess things up. And they all know of, of things like the rental problem that people were renting their units. So they all read those stories and there was a, I actually saw that on the news, a story where they had interviewed a man who was renting his. Yes, it does happen. You're not supposed to rent your, uh, your deed restricted unit, but it does happen apparently. So my, my view of the employee housing was, I had no idea how big it was. I didn't realize it was half the town or half the residents. And I now learned that, so it's a big deal. And um, I thought it was when they first started doing it, and I don't know if I was in there for, here for the very beginning, but they were always talking about it in the newspaper even when I, when I arrived in 96. Um, so it seemed like, you know, a very nice thing to be able to arrange for employees to have housing. Uh, and the other two places we own property are also resort towns. And so they have, they also have housing, housing for their workers issues. I'd say they're the, the hardest here, but they've done the most here to try to uh, support the employees. You think we should build more? Well, it seems like you're going to have to because the people who, uh, the unexpected consequence, I guess, was how many people retired at once, so that there are a lot of retired people who want to, understandably, don't want to leave mm -hmm. <laughs> and were promised mm -hmm. they could stay. Right, you do own it for life. Um, you know, mm -hmm. but I can see that there are real problems when you get, I think there was an article about a police, a new policeman who, who couldn't stay because he couldn't find housing. And, uh, and so I can see that there are issues. Uh, mostly I've heard about issues with the people who actually own something and not and not from the renters so I'm not sure the renters the ones who rent rent have as larger issues yeah I've heard it describe the ownership units as a as a nest not a nest egg in other words that <laughs> um, I think it's sometimes frustrating for people who own because you get to live in Aspen but um, your your unit doesn't appreciate uh, obviously at the fair market Oh, it, it does. So. If you go and you look at the units in Burlingame mm -hmm. on, on the Internet, uh -huh. Zillow has them, has them priced at over 700000 apiece. And so I'm sure they've done what I've done and seen these numbers and realized how valuable the property has become. And I'm not even sure Aspen could have, you know, 20 years ago, could have foreseen that that kind of appreciation would occur. We didn't expect our our Gantt unit to appreciate nearly as much as it has. Mm -hmm. And have you thought about selling it or you just like it too much? Um. Well, I, I, <clears throat> Lee doesn't like me to admit my true age. But <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, I'm 72 uh -huh. and I think I can make it th through long enough to be a council person. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, I'm looking at, at where you live when in your old age, mm -hmm. and I don't want to live in a nursing home, and I think I could be independent in Aspen longer than anywhere else, mainly because the transportation the is bus so system good in town. Mm -hmm. that I can use the Gantt vans to get around, yeah. and I can use the Crosstown bus, which I do to get around, Right. and uh, I still, still have a car. 
Mm -hmm. I use the car mainly to go to the maroon bells to paint or to the senior center or the hospital, just places the GAN fans don't usually go. Right. And uh, although they will take you to the hospital in an emergency. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, and I, I've seen people driving around town in their motorized wheelchairs, so mm -hmm. I realize because the town is flat and mm -hmm. the way it's laid out that you can, you can be independent here. Mm-hmm into your old age for a very long time. And also, there are a huge number of services so that I could sit in my condo in a chair and they would bring everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes money, but it right. takes money. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's expensive to live in the Gantt. Right. But I'm comfortable and, and I think that I can, I can be an independent person for the rest of my life here. And I do have children who, if it, if it comes to it, I, might be forced to take me in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might be surprised how many uh, voters in Aspen have similar concerns on their mind. The demographics of Aspen are, the locals are aging. Um, a lot of people came in the 70s and 80s and are still here. And so a lot of them have, um, I don't like the word senior issues, but uh, Well, it's a great place for seniors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I say that, the people who are trying to attract young tourists cringe, <laughs> but uh, everything's expensive here, and we have our visitors that we see, that I, people I see in the hot tub are often fairly elderly but active. Right. They're still skiing and things like that, yeah. but you have to have a certain amount of money just to even come visit here. So. Right. Right. We have an interesting um, challenge as a, as a resort town. Right. I have not seen statistics on the demographics. I would like to see statistics on the demographics. I don't know who Well, has if you them. run into former Mayor Mick Ireland, he's got... He's got the statistics? He, he's got it down. He's got it down cold. And he often talks about how Aspen needs to, to deal with its aging population, that the issues are shifting. And you do see it in affordable housing with people aging right. out of the workforce but keeping their housing and so but we have a great senior center yeah the elks club gives parties for the seniors free every every holiday mm -hmm. and the yeah. transportation around town and the bus system is terrific mm -hmm. and the hospital is unbelievable yeah well i think your perspective on that is valuable and like i said and i think a lot of people in the community will too you also have a perspective on your on your list of issues about about marijuana, legal marijuana. Uh, you're not a fan, I gather. No, um, I I didn't vote for it, mm -hmm. and I will tell tell you why. We lost two family members because of drugs. One one to meth and one to heroin. When they're young, and they both young. started. One the uh, heroin one made it. To, they actually both made it to their 40s, which surprised me. Mm -hmm. uh, one was my brother, and one was Randy's son, uh -huh. and. Um, they both started with marijuana. So to me, it still looks like a gateway drug any way you, any way you cut it. Mm -hmm. But it's legal mm -hmm. and people wanna, people are gonna wanna use it. And, and what I seem to see in Colorado that people, even people who were against it, they became enthusiastic when they saw how much money it would bring in. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of business people in, in, in favor of it, yeah. So, you know, Big I business. would like to see the money go, go to the schools and well, I, you know, my my things that I care about are education and environment, and so, you know, I'd like to see it go to right. go to things that I care about. Um, and I realized, you know, there's going to have to be a system to sell it, 
And uh, they asked, I think the ant, the ant survey asked, uh, which pot shop was the best? Mm. Well, I've never been in a pot shop. I'm going to have to take so a you tour. <laughs> you don't have a favorite. Have you, been, you haven't been in one yet? Just no, I haven't even been uh -huh. in one. The, the, mm -hmm. I've walked by the one that's next uh -huh. to the city market. <laughs> right, right. Well, there, it's hard not to walk by them. There's, I think, seven in town. And so do you see it at the Gantt? Do visitors? Uh, you see, uh, I'm surprised. There uh -huh. is a, occasional smoke, which mm -hmm. smells pretty bad. Uh -huh. not, I lived in Austin, Texas when I was in college, and the whole town smelled like <laughs> marijuana. But it, it, it smelled better than it does now. But <laughs> a little stronger, maybe, now. I think, it's, I think it's much more strong. It's much more like, like a smelly cigar that you smell mm. from another unit. Um, but it's very rare. They're, you don't really, it's not mostly, an issue. I think the they're mostly eating it. Mm -hmm. So they're not hanging out in the balconies or doing it in the hot tub. or you know, It's not really an issue. There. It is not as big mm -hmm. an issue as I expected. I was mm -hmm. was pretty worried about it. Like maybe it would smell all the time, or right, or uh, yeah. It's interesting to me how much is sold in town that you you do see it occasionally or smell it occasionally, but they must be finding somewhere to smoke it, um, given how much we're s apparently well, selling. And um, the the work people sometimes, mm -hmm. the people who come up to work, the workmen. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I mean, I sometimes I can tell where it's coming from, uh -huh. and and I don't smoke I don't smoke myself, and mm -hmm. we don't and I don't use the fireplace uh, because smoke irritates my respiratory system too much. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty worried, but I was glad that there wasn't a whole lot of additional. additional Do you think anything smoke. needs to change? That the city needs to regulate it in a different fashion? Well, I think since it's legal, you know, you can't really change that. At Mm -hmm. And then, then what? What there is then is regulation. And mm -hmm. you know, so my first—I don't drink much either. But my first I thought is, well, the bars have regulations, so you start with something similar to mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And uh, education. Right. And I don't know how much education is going on, especially you should start with the young people in the schools. Right. And I, I have actually about half a dozen books out of the library on marijuana right now to see what it, what educational materials might already have been written. Mm -hmm. See what's out there. To see what's out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's mostly the history of mari marijuana and uh, about the medical marijuana. Very little in the books is about uh, the side effects and mm -hmm. the dangers. I mean, there's like, there's one book that had one good chapter out of the, about the six that had, had the uh, adverse effects and the effects on driving and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Right. Seems to merit as much respect as alcohol, certainly. Um. Well, I think, you know, and I would say some of the books are trying to make it look safer than alcohol. I don't, I don't think that because of what's happened in my family. Mm. And nobody died of alcohol, although I think a few drank a bit. But, mm. mm -hmm. but I think they did die eventually of drugs because mm. of drugs and so mm -hmm. That's pretty scary. Yeah. So the other thing that's on your list is about noise, and, and that relates to your biological right, that's, research. That be, I knew how to measure noise. I had noise meters. Uh-huh. And when we first came to Aspen, I measured the noise, and there was 15 decibels out our bedroom window. And that was just general city noise? That was na natural noise. Mm -hmm. That was the Roaring Fork River, which is close to the Gantt, mm -hmm. and the Coyotes. And there was, I mean, it was extremely quiet. Mm -hmm. And it's still fairly quiet. 
but if you measure it now, you get more like 30s and 40s. Is that from construction and traffic or uh, the buses? Also, or? The, day, the day level, you're going to have high noise. It's uh -huh. the night level. If you want to sleep, uh, then it's, and you go to the Internet again and you look out, how, how quiet does it have to be to sleep? It's 30 decibels. Okay. Okay, but the city has set their level for night noise at 50 decibels. Oh. Huh. So I don't know if they didn't know that 50 decibels is too much noise. Mm-hmm. And so what's it now with the GAN? Is it over 30? Uh, the last time I measured it, it was in the 40s at night. So it was below 50, and I did complain when it got... I did complain to the city when it got to um, be over 50, and they they went around and got to turn, turn some of the noise turned down. I mean, it's interesting because we sell this image of Aspen as being a a mountain retreat, and but if you walk up Aspen Mountain a little ways and close your eyes and listen, uh, it's a pretty noisy place. Um, some of the dominant noise, of course, is the raft of buses um, making the turns around corners and then the construction vehicles and the backup noises and then just the general din of buildings and, and cars. A pretty noisy little city. It is pretty noisy. Really. Uh, another place where you go and you, you're really surprised at how much noise there is is if you go up in a, uh, in a balloon. Mm. And when they're not, when they're not, when they turn off the, the burner. Mm -hmm. You can hear the dogs barking. You can hear people talking. It's amazing how much how much noise comes up. So that on the mountain, you would, I've I've also gone up the mountain and, and noticed how how you can hear the noise from the town. Mm -hmm. But they're pretty good about they're pretty good about not starting this construction before seven, and um, ending at seven too, right? And they're a little 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 bit more uh, lax about making noise later in the day, but they don't usually start before 7. Right. And, um, and I try not to play my piano at the GAN before 7, <laughs> and I try not to run my vacuum cleaner before <laughs> 7 <laughs> because... I'm sure your downstairs visitors appreciate it. Yeah, yeah well, I try to be a good citizen because uh -huh. I, I figured... Uh, I, I was only using my piano with headphones, but when my husband died, I took my headphones off mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. one lady did he say she heard me playing my piano so i i know it carries far mm. far enough so i i don't play it so let's assume for a moment that you get elected to the aspen city council even though you may not think you are going to i was let's, promised let's, i wouldn't you, <laughs> <laughs> really yes. you were promised that if you no ran you would win, get so. really <laughs> you might need to rethink that <laughs> Well, okay, let's assume you are for a moment. Would <laughs> yes, you, you have to assume it. Would you look into noise ordinances and trying to change them? Well, I would, I would point out to them that it, you know, I could get the papers out, print out some of the papers that show that you're supposed to have 30 decibels. And, and then I, I know where you'd run into the big problems is in town with the, with the restaurants that have, have music and stuff. And it, it would be very hard to enforce if you live next to a... A club. Right, but right. maybe maybe they could set a time at night when they were going to turn off the noise. Right. You know, if there are people sleeping. Right. I mean, I've heard the noise at the Gantt wake up the baby next door because 
they were very close, so I heard the baby start to cry. Uh -huh. First I've heard the noise, and then I hear the baby start to cry. And they have better hearing than we old folks. Right. <laughs> so, right. so they're disturbed more easily. And so from a biological circadian rhythm, the noise thing is a big deal in terms of your overall health. I think, I think it's a, I think there are a couple, there are a couple reasons we, why people in Aspen don't sleep. And the other, other reason is the altitude. And it's a known, it's a known thing that uh, known fact that people sleep less at high altitude, people sleep less when they're older, and, um, and some people can't sleep through noise. Now my, my husband could sleep through any noise. <laughs> but uh, s some people can't, and, and I, I'm not sure that a lot of people realize, as I do, I only sleep about six hours a night. Um, so I'm up quite a bit of it. And if you look around the Gantt, you see the lights are on and people's TVs are on. And so our guests are up, are kept up at night too. Mm. But they're probably kept up because they're not used to the altitude. And right. it's probably the altitude effect. Right. And they think, the scientists think that effect is due to the low oxygen. So let's talk about what campaigning you have done so far. You've knocked on a bunch of doors to gather signatures. We're yeah. gonna knock on more doors. And, and say vote for me, please vote for me. Right. Uh -huh. And you and Lee are going to go out together, you figure? Or, yes. Uh -huh. So you guys have yes, a plan to, to do that? We have plans mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And he can, he has very long legs. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he can walk around easily. Yes, I was married to a man with long legs, so uh -huh. I know what it's like. What it's like is, you know, they go in and I go <laughs> these little, little. So you have to try and keep up with them. Right. So um, I think he will knock on more doors than I, I have. Mm -hmm. uh, the times we've gone out, he's lasted much longer than I have. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a surprisingly uh, difficult thing to do, knock on doors and talk to people and ask for their uh, vote. I probably I would not have done it by myself, so uh -huh. I'm really glad that he, he helped me do it. And I would never have gotten the signatures because when I sat down and tried to think of who I knew in Aspen that was vo were voters, I, I only could come up for sure with about a dozen names. Right. And you so need 60, is it? To you needed... You needed 25, but 25. they advised us to get extras because, as it turns out, and they were right, that people don't know where, whether, where they live and whether they vote. <laughs> whether they're in the city or whether they're actually right. registered so, to vote. Uh -huh. So the, the city has to go over every, every one of these petitions right. for candidacy and check to make sure that people really are in Aspen and are voters. And what was your general sense of the people you did talk to? You mentioned that they care about transportation and housing. Do they, do they care who's on the city council of Aspen? Do they know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think they care. Mm -hmm. I, thought, I thought actually when we chose Aspen 20 years ago that, that one of the things we had talked about was that they, they seem to care about their environment. Uh, they don't always manage to do the right thing, but they argue a lot about it. At least it's on their mind, their environment. And, um, and that, since I was a biologist, that, that was favorable to me. They certainly cared more about the environment than any place I've ever lived before. Mm. It's certainly talked about more. It's talked about more. Well, we have, we have you know, we have beautiful mountains right here. The environment is right here. Right. <laughs> Right, we should care about it. It's so you know, obvious. it's not. You know, we're not in a big metropolis with a long place drive to get to some wildlife. We I mean, we have them in town. Can I ask you about your politics in general? Your larger politics. Who'd you uh, vote for in November for president? Oh, I voted for her. Uh huh. 
and I voted for Obama, uh -huh. and I ended up loving him. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a registered Democrat. Okay. Uh, but when it comes to the local things, I try to you know make an intelligent decision depending on what their expertise is. And so you have been voting. Oh yes. Uh -huh. Oh yes. I've, I've been, been voting mm -hmm. my whole life. Right. And so as a biologist, how are you how are you coping with the new administration? Been following the news? Well, you know, yes, and it and certainly seems like global warming is real when you're in Aspen and it's, and it's 60 degrees. Seem like it this March. It yeah. certainly seem like yeah. there is global warming. And also because I go other places where there's ocean and the ocean is visibly getting deeper. It's rising in, in it's New rising Jersey and Maui. In Maui. Mm -hmm. And it's noticeable enough that in my lifetime I've noticed it. In well, we certainly have a temperature increase in, in Aspen. The growing season's been getting longer over the last 30 years here, so it's documented yes, here. especially in the fall, I noticed that, you know, I was a, I, I was a gardener and did containers uh, here for a long time, and uh, they used to, th when I first came here, they didn't last into September, but now they are lasting almost to November, so uh, September and October are d obviously warmer. Well, Lee Kasson, the city's former environmental health director, used to document it by the, the growing season of strawberries here and how, <laughs> and how it was lengthening and, and getting longer. And so it's definitely changed. And so do you think the city's doing enough or doing all it can? You know, it's such a bit, it's a, it's a global problem. And uh, my husband and I took our bucket list trip in 2008. We went around the world with National Geographic. Oh, fun. On a cruise? No, in t on a private jet in oh. 23 days. Wow, <laughs> we, jet setter. We took, our, <laughs> we took the big expensive trip. My, my father had died and left me some money. Uh-huh. And we'd just seen the bucket list. And I turned to my husband. I had the brochure in my hand. And I said, would you like me to take you around the world, honey? <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so we did, we did do that. And um, I added up all of the legs of the travel to get around the world, and it was only 60-some hours. Wow. And that blew my mind because that's... That actual flat time, you mean? Yes, the actual, mm -hmm. that if you didn't have to land and land the plane and get gas, and you right. just flew it. 60 hours, huh? 60-some hours. It's wow. more than 60, but mm -hmm. less than 70. And that just blew my mind that the planet was that small. Mm-hmm. And... Of of course, uh, National Geographic brings along naturalists, and they show you the Great Barrier Reef, and they talk about the problems of the reefs dying, and you know, so they they talk about all the problems in the different places. They do a fabulous job. And is it um, what's happening in the planet? Does it affect you more? You think because you're a biologist, or do you have special insight that oh, makes I it think, harder I to, think, to, to watch it happen? I think it makes it a little harder to watch it happen and that, that I'm frightened for the planet. And uh, it's, it's been going on since graduate school. In graduate school, we were reading the population bomb. And two of my fellow uh, male graduate students got themselves vasectomized. They took it very seriously. Wow. Uh, and we all did. Mm -hmm. And that really hasn't changed. That, that bomb is still unfolding, I, right? It's, mean, it's exploding. It's right. just getting worse and worse. And you can see that a lot of the problems that that we have that are um, that are, are uh, causing incessant wars internationally, are and the huge number of refugees are partially that there are just too many people to 
be supported by the planet. And they keep saying, well, we have enough, we could make enough food if we wanted to. But I've been watching uh, news stories about people starving since the Biafra babies. Mm. You remember the Biafra babies? Yeah, famine's still with us, for sure. In and the famine parts. is still with us, and mm -hmm. we're still not feeding. So they can say we could do it, but we obviously haven't. Right. And um, we have too much food here and not enough I'd like other to places. see us be promoting birth control instead of blocking it. Mm -hmm. And um, Well, that doesn't surprise me, I guess, as a biology professor. No, I mean, yeah. it's not surprising. Right. I mean, because it was mm -hmm. the sort of thing that I was interested in. And, mm -hmm. and, and I can see, I think even anybody who isn't a, a biology professor can see that there's obvious a limit and you have a planet a certain size, and you can't really get off of it that easily. <laughs> right, not yet. Well, let's talk about how that relates to growth in Aspen. That's always a perennial topic, too, for, for candidates. I usually ask candidates, well, do you think you could say no to projects? Because um, there's a lot of pressure to say yes when you're reviewing a development review. And I, th I think the cities and the, the city... I can the say county. no. I've said no to alcohol that was... Uh -huh pressed upon me in college. Uh -huh. I said no to drugs. Uh -huh. You think you can say no to real estate development? <laughs> I said no to some guys. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I live in uh, a small condo, which is no bigger than a lot of the ploy, employee housing. And I have a Honda Civic Hybrid. Uh, so I've done my best to have a, a small, small footprint. footprint. Uh -huh. um, and uh, the big limit, limitation on Aspen size is, is the expense. Well, on the other hand, it, be expensive. it seems like there is no limit in terms of potential redevelopment. People spend a lot of money to develop, but then they sell the product for a lot. And so does, this, does the pace of, of construction in Aspen bother you on a regular basis? Or? Oh, yes. I have yeah. to listen to the noise in the off-seasons. And it's, and it's loud. Well, can you, can you can probably hear the Aspen Club being built right yes. now, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's pretty constant. You yeah. know, and some of my friends are in the Benedict Building, and they built a huge curtain <laughs> between the Benedict Building and the Aspen Club. It's like the curtain to, on Main Street for the... To try to block, yes, yes. to try to mm -hmm. block some of the noise. Right. Yeah. Which works okay, but you can still feel it and smell the diesel and... Well, it, it. Seem, it seems like there's a lot more of it than there was the first 10 years I was here. A lot more construction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot more of the, the huge cranes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it took a dip a little bit with the recession, but it seems to have been back. It's, it's back now in Aspen. And do you think the city should try and regulate the pace of that or do anything about it? I'm not sure they can. Mm -hmm. I think it wouldn't hurt to try, but I don't think they, I don't think they, they can except to say no to some projects they think are too big mm -hmm. and uh, they they can at least limit some of the size with the height limit right which I would support the height height limit mm -hmm. um, our other our other uh, properties in the in resort towns also have height limit issues right and um, you know and, and making people have parking garages and stuff like that to make make it a little more possible for people to park. Uh, there hasn't been any effort to limit the size of the vehicles. No, that's I've true. Had several, that's true. I've had numerous little accidents, some of which were not my fault, in parking lots because... <laughs> it's, it's tight. It's tight. Because it's it? so tight. Right. It's so tight. 
And so are you, um, have you been watching city council meetings or going to city council meetings? You've been lurking no. around city hall? No, I, my no. first one was, was last Monday. Uh -huh, that you went? <laughs> I went and we, you know, uh -huh. we spoke in the three minutes, we got three minutes to, uh -huh. to talk. Uh -huh. And, and uh, what did you speak about? I spoke about uh, the housing issue. I said Mr. Mulcahy should be allowed to keep his house. Uh, and I had almost a poem about it. Uh huh. Well, I guess he's either legal or he's not, I guess, right? I mean, it's, it's an interesting issue to me, I guess. I he, don't know how many people there are who bought their lots and built their own. So he, he built his own place, bought a lot, right. built a house. I don't know. I don't know if, what input, if any, the city had in building his place. He and his family built it. Right, but you either... You I either, mean, with their own hands. The issue with Lee is whether he's an, uh, a, a qualified employee or not. Is that the issue? Uh, yes, that's one of the issues. And so I have, I have been having an email chat with uh, the housing people about what the requirements are. Mm -hmm. um, you have to work a certain number of hours, right? Uh, a year well, or something? If I I'm not sure I understand how rigid they are but it sounds like you have to make 15000 a year. So there's an income. You have to show right. that you're... Right, if, and if you're an artist, uh, and I've, I've been an artist for 20 years, and I don't get twenty, I don't get 15000 from art. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I sort of sat down and thought, well, how would I qualify? I don't want employee housing for myself right. at all. Right. I'm perfectly happy to live mm -hmm. my life out at the Gantt. Right. Uh, but um, so I say 1000 a year that mm -hmm. I get from art sales. Right. I give a lot of it away, so I don't know how that, and mm. if I had to, if I had to amass 15,000, I probably wouldn't give any, any away, but um, I give a lot of it to charity to sell at their fundraisers. Uh, but, okay, so say 1,000 for the art, and then I have uh, Social Security. Mm-hmm. So that's, so there's some income there. So there's some there, but it's right. not 15,000. Right, so would you qualify? Are we running out of time? Not? I think we have about five minutes left, okay. right? Yeah, so we so have five minutes I'm, left. And, and of course, I, I do have investments in other property, and I'm not counting that because that's how I afford to live at the Gantt. Right, But if, right. if I was just, just having to, uh, uh, and then I would get paid 700 a week a month from city council, so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I could maybe add it up and come right. close to the 15000 but. Well, Lee's a fascinating case. We'll have to explore that with him at, you have well. to ask him about yeah. it. I, I yeah. don't know all those details. So what was it like for you to, uh, to speak in front of council? Did, you, did it feel like a room you want to spend a lot of time in? <laughs> well, I was sick the next day, so uh -huh. I think I got exposed to somebody. <laughs> who was, there is public who, down there, yeah. Who had, you know, there was, it was, and it was crowded. Right. Um, I, you know, I could do that. That's, that's uh -huh. not something I could. It, it's not that somebody said, are you nervous? I said, are you kidding? I was well, I guess if you stood, stood up, up in, in front of students, say, for very years. smart right. pre-med students for 20 years. Right. I think you and could handle that. So mm -hmm. that's not a big deal. And I've been right. on TV a few times, so it's not a big deal. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so you'll be actively campaigning. We'll see you out and about knocking on doors. And I think that that would um, be the main, I think that would be the main thing and the most uh -huh. effective thing. It's interesting because, you know, there's so many candidates. There's eight, I think, candidates running for various seats. This, so if you live in affordable housing, you'll, you'll probably be prepared to have your door knocked on, right? Um, uh, we have the, I bought the list of the whole 6,500 
qualified town. voters. Uh huh. And I, I don't, can't imagine I'm going to get to 6,500 doors. <laughs> but, but but you'll be out and about doing it. But huh? we're gonna we're gonna try to do it that way. Uh huh. And I think we'll do it together. Mm hmm. Um. And Lee's pretty recognizable in his cowboy hat. He's very recognized. Yeah. He's really strong and energetic and lasts a long. He lasts twice as long doing mm -hmm. it as I do. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, there's a number of candidate forums and things like that. Yeah, I'm so going to do, you know, do I'm all that. do what I can with mm -hmm. those. Answer the red ants questions. And uh -huh. Why so, is she called the red ant? Do you know? Uh, I think because they started, it's a blog uh, that's oh, called okay. the red ant. And she called it that. Yeah. And I think it's a, meant to be that they're small but annoying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she'd appreciate that <laughs> characterization or not, but <laughs> I think that's why they named it that. I'm not. Well, sure. they're not too bad here in Aspen. That's one of its. That's right. One of its we blessings is we don't really have a lot of bugs. No, it's a beautiful thing. Right. <laughs> no skeeters yet. No skeeters yet. <laughs> they make a front page. Right. Yeah, they would. Well, I wish you the best of luck out there, and, and uh, I hope you uh, get to know Aspen better and enjoy it. And oh, I am meeting a lot of people, and that's mm -hmm. been a lot of fun because the people are great here. Mm -hmm. People are great, and they're interesting. It's really, it right. really is fun. You don't count it's yourself really out. Count. You know, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> well, I am short to begin with, <laughs> but I'm not going to get any taller. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking to us. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's nice meeting you. Mm -hmm. Grassroots Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley. Underwriting for Grassroots ProBlind's series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by A&B Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment, and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs. A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on ProBlind, because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local, in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the Donate button on your next visit to grassrootstv.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootstv.org, as well as on Cable Channel 12, Up Valley, Cable Channel 82, Down Valley, and Free TV Channel 12.1, over the Picking County Translator System. Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage.